Welcome to Persisters, an all-female live show and podcast. Each episode showcases one artist. You'll hear their performance from our live show, followed by an interview with us, Beth Rowe and Alex Kern. Please listen and please subscribe. And now for a woman with no boundaries. Oh, God. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, I know we didn't date the same person, (laughs) but, um, last year I flew to New York to see a man, and when I got there, he ghosted on me, so (laughs) happy one year anniversary to me. Uh, (laughs) still buying crystals, not going to therapy. Okay. Um... Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of wedding talk this evening. I, I don't, like, I haven't thought a lot about my wedding and getting married, but I do know that one of them will be escape room themed. So, excited about that. I hope boundaries, okay, two weddings, well, well, we'll see, okay. I, look, I love my friends. I love them so much. (laughs) But I am very over the bachelorette party. I just, I don't love the format. I think it's a little too much. We get there and it's like, woo, we're gonna rage. It's gonna be the last night of our lives. Not all of us are gonna make it. It's, (laughs) It's like, I'm an adult woman. I'm 34 years old. I do not wanna drink alcohol out of a dick shaped straw. I want to suck a dick. Like, what are we doing? Um, Just like a constant, relentless, we're going to the club, we're going to the club. It's like, you don't have to go to the club anymore. You found one. Like, why why are you bringing us here with you? Um, it's, It's too much. I, I, and I love my friends. I love them so much, but I recently was um, part of a bridal party um, at a wedding in New Orleans. Was the bride from New Orleans? No. Was the groom from New Orleans? No. Was anyone from New Orleans? Absolutely not. Um, they were, I got there. I flew in the night of the bachelorette party. I went straight to the hotel where we were having cocktails. Found out I was one of 33 bridesmaids. And they were women there at that bachelorette party who weren't even bridesmaids. It's like, you couldn't make top 33. Why are you at this wedding? (laughs) Why are you here? It was insane. Um, at At the kind of, you know, before the rehearsal dinner, you have the rehearsal of the wedding. And, um, the, the man officiating it was trying to line all of us up. Tallest to shortest, I'm the shortest, I'm in a wheelchair, I was in the back just chilling and really got to watch a lot of men just fight over who was at last. Um, that was a really cool experience. Literally, literally this man had to play an improv game with 30 year olds to get us to stop talking. Oh, they're musicians, the people getting married were musicians and I'm a stand up comedian and like I've never known people that need more attention than comedians. But then I was in a wedding for musicians. Uh, It was insane. I 
I like, look, I, you know, this wedding. So the wedding finally happens and it is, it's like 33 bridesmaids, 33 groomsmen. And then like, I don't know, like another 10 junior bridesmaids and flower girls, like just for kicks, why not? And like, I know that like best friend is a tear, but I didn't realize it was an entire graduating class. <laughs> it was so much, there was a lot of music involved, which like, cool, they're musicians. Uh, but I, just, I didn't realize I was at a quinceanera. It was like so much going on. It was, I mean, it was beautiful, it was nice, it was lovely, but I, so there were so many of us that so we were literally like on risers, like at a graduation. <laughs> and I was in the front and the only people in front of me were these little flower girls. And like, look, I know that we're at a wedding and pictures are being taken. So I'm giving my best angles, you know? I'm really sitting with purpose, sitting like I'm being seen. And these little flower girls are just, you know, fidgeting and moving about. And I was like, oh, honey, like, be careful. If you don't watch yourself, you'll fall in the water. There was, like, water in front of us for whatever reason. It was outdoors. Uh, and she was like, I'm fine. And I was like, pushed her. I pushed her into the water. Um, <laughs> Because no one steals my spotlight on my best friend's day. No. <laughs> I didn't push her. I wish I did. I, <laughs> I have boundaries. I, <laughs> I, I, I went to my best friend's bachelorette party in, in um, Cancun and, or not Cancun, Puerto Vallarta. And, you know, like, you know, there was the like rage party party, but there were also nice parts about it. Like I went, on a boat, we all went on a boat together. It was buoyant, had my boobs out, it was real lovely. Um, we went snorkeling in the ocean, jumped in, did not think about how I was gonna get back out of the boat, uh, or back onto the boat, because um, there was only stairs back onto the boat. Um, so I really just looked at the fish around me, I was like, I guess I'm part of your world now. <laughs> I guess I live here, here. What? She has no boundaries. She doesn't. She thinks she can do it all. Um, the solution was to was for me to swim to another boat. Still had stairs. <laughs> and this time I was going to use all the strength I don't possess to just try to hoist myself over it while people I did not know started to lift my ass out of the ocean. <laughs> I, I made it over. I hit the deck just like a fresh catch of the day. <laughs> I was like, this fatty tuna is gonna catch a lot of market. Really good, really good. I, uh, the trip was the trip was fun. My favorite part of the trip um, was pharmacia. I don't know if you know what some people I think do know what pharmacia means. Uh, when you're in Mexico, pharmacia means legal drugs without a prescription. <laughs> it's dope as fuck. <laughs> And I was there, I was like, I need these people to be on my team, I need them to be on my side, I need them to respect me and help me out, right? So I'm gonna start something very legitimate for albuterol inhalers. Cuatro, si, gracias, oh, thank you, thank you. All right, we're in business, we're developing a relationship, developing a rapport. Okay? <laughs> then I asked for Xanax. Yes, they had Xanax. I got Xanax, two milligram pills, 90 count bottles. Like, oh my God, I look, I just, the trust that we're building this back and forth. <laughs> I'm feeling a connection. It felt so great. And then I asked 
For Adderall, they did not have Adderall. That was disappointing. You cannot always get what you want. But they did have Ritalin. I was like, look at her trying to work, trying to make this work. We've gone too far. We've invested too much. And then she asked me if I wanted Vicodin. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I feel so fucking cool. <laughs> it's like, I don't have to pretend to like your band or suck your dick. This is amazing. <laughs> it's the best day of my life. Pharmacy was wonderful. Pharmacy was great. I got back to the United States. And I don't know if you guys have ever, um, I don't know if you've ever been outside the country, but if you haven't been outside of the country recently, when you're coming back into LAX, um, they do this really cool thing that when you get off the airplane, you are immediately um, asked to f get your picture taken. Um, and I just, that's not nice. I don't think that's a friendly thing after I experienced that hate crime. Um, I went to a customs agent, asked me where I'd been, what I had done, how many days I was there. Cool, cool, cool. Mexico, five days. Fun, fun, fun. Um, then there is a final boss that apparently just asks you all the same questions, just in way harsher tones. Uh, I was not prepared for him. I wasn't ready for him. Um, but we got through it, and I think that we're done. But he decides to kind of get up out of his chair, look down at me, and go, so what happened? And I lost my shit on a US customs agent. Oh, I started using words like ableist <laughs> and disrespectful, just things like his GED wouldn't understand. Um, <laughs> And then he said my attitude was a red flag. I was like, um, I feel like your adult braces are a red flag. Uh, he did not like that. He did not like that. He said, if I keep it up, he's going to send me through the x-ray scanner. I was like, you want to dance? Let's fucking dance <laughs> with my bag of pharmacia. I got through. Um, I got through the x-ray scanner. My friends got their drugs, I got my drugs. I think that is cause for celebration. Um, but I, I really think the takeaway of all of that is that when you come through customs, they always ask if you have anything to declare. And for me, it's always that I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> I'm Janelle Perez, keep it going for this amazing show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Persisters. <laughs> I'm Beth. And I'm Alex. And uh, we're here on a, in Highland Park on a beautiful sunny day. Sitting in Danielle Perez's living room, and she has, what is this, a 180-degree view? Welcome, Danielle. Welcome. Thank, thank you for Welcome. having me. We're going to gonna talk about your house the whole time. I love it. Please do. <laughs> Let people know. Oh, man. Um, wow. Okay. My older mate. Long story, but uh, the cops were called. Um, he got into a domestic violence dispute with his boyfriend, who was also living here. I was not present for it, but the cops came, and I was like, you want to speak to them? And then they knocked on my bedroom door, and the female cop just looked at me. She's like, first of all, lovely home. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like okay, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Oh, my God, that's incredible. <laughs> So I, <laughs> I need to see that in like LAPD something you write. approved. <laughs> I would just stare at the highway. You can see yeah, like that's so. Forest lawn. And it's far that away. Mm -hmm. That's the it's Glendale so beautiful. One. Oh wow. And then 
Um, you can see directly across the way. That's Griffith Park Observatory. Mm-hmm. It's that's insane. Is it so pretty at night? I love it. It's beautiful. It's like looking at Griffith Park Observatory is my favorite thing because it's yeah. like one of my favorite places in LA. I still always think about Charlie's Angels. Wait, Do you remember what? that? The movie with Cameron Diaz oh, and I know Lucy the movie, Lou. but when they're fighting, um, I was going to say Demi Lovato. <laughs> when they're fighting Demi Moore, oh, Demi. it's at the Griffith Observatory. I love that really? that's how you know what kind of millennials like you are and I am. Um, <laughs> because I think James Dean. <laughs> when I think of the group of I really wish I was more like you. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so much better. <laughs> are you? Where are you from? I'm from Los Angeles, born and raised. I grew oh. up in Mount Washington and Eagle Rock. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, in this area. This is technically Glassell Park. Right. My parents are each five minutes away from me and both have keys to my home. And I'm really uh, thinking about changing the locks. <laughs> yeah, it's like amazing, but terrifying. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say that the perfect distance for parents to live is like two hours because they <laughs> have to call before they leave. There's, yeah, there, they can't. There's, I'm not, yeah, no one's going to drive two hours and maybe you'll be home. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, no, when I first moved in, my mom would do this thing where she would text, are you home on like a Saturday or Sunday morning? So that meant I had uh, five minutes to let the dude in my bed know um, <laughs> you either get to meet my mom uh, or you have to leave now. Um, so funny. And so without fail, five minutes go by and then all of a sudden my doorbell, she'll do this thing where she'll ring the doorbell quickly like three times and then open it with her own key. Like, Just like, I'm, I'm coming in. <laughs> yeah. Letting you know. Yeah. I'm making an entrance. And without fail, she'd always have like one of her friends with her. Like, look at Danielle's new place. We love it. And her friend would just register so much what yeah. was happening. She'd just be like, Maria, I think we should leave. Just met a man named Chris. Um... What? <laughs> and then my mom, I remember one time she started telling, it was Chris, she was like, we got to do something about these curtains. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm I wasn't sure, sure I was going to text her tomorrow, <laughs> but sure. Sure, yeah, yeah, we can do, we should do something about these curtains. Like, then she starts thinking they're the fucking handyman and starts pointing out all the things that need to be fixed. And it's like, oh my God. I just, he's a stranger. I don't know to him. you and right. me. <laughs> oh my, yeah, exactly. That's so funny. Oh man. What's the best part of growing up in LA? <laughs> oh man. Um, I think the best part about growing up in LA is just is is being jaded from a young age. <laughs> sure. Like not caring. Mm. Like about Hollywood or any of that. Because mm-hmm. everyone knows someone who's like dad worked for the studios like on set as like a, like an electrician or something, right? Yeah. Like in Meghan the union. Meghan Markle's dad. Yeah, but it's like everyone knew someone like I grew up like in Mount Washington. So it's like a lot of my neighbors were like animators for Disney and stuff oh, like that. Cool. That makes sense. Like you just tangently know people. But it's not your whole fucking world. Yeah. And I went to high school. I actually went to high school with Meghan Markle. I went to Immaculate Heart High School, Most Fearless. Oh, my, oh my gosh. She's two years yeah. older than me. No. Tell me yes. everything. Yes. <laughs> like, 
like, oh my God, she was gorgeous. She was beautiful. She looked like a fucking Disney princess in high school. Like, really? she I just, mean, she is. So beautiful. Like, she's beautiful. Yeah. But like, I Sometimes just. Sometimes I forget how beautiful she is. I'm like, oh, she's just like an average girl. And then like, time, and then I'm like, oh yeah, Megan Mark, just because I've seen her photo yeah. a thousand times. And then, and then I'll just see, I'm like, oh yeah, she's like the most beautiful she's woman. She's so pretty. Yeah. She's so pretty. Actually, and like, I wonder, I mean, also too, like, I wasn't in her grade, you know, she was two years older than me, but like. Not a big school, right? Not a big school. It was Catholic all girls private school. So it was like maybe 500 girls in the school max. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like everyone knew uh, everyone else. Maybe you didn't know like everything about them, but it's like you you knew who everyone Mm -hmm. else was. Mm -hmm. But um, like. Now knowing that she's like half black, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That checks out because like she's so pretty, but I like, but I wasn't in her grade, you know, yeah. and I wasn't really part of her friend group. Did you like ever that. talk to her? Oh yeah, yeah. We did the high school musicals and plays together and stuff. Oh my god. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, look, I just don't think you should get to be the lead in your high school's musical and a princess. I think yeah, that's, that's not fair. Too much. I think I it's completely not fair. Agree. So there are rumors that she is difficult and doesn't oh, really? get along with Kate. Oh, and really? she's gone through two personal assistants. Well, I know the two personal assistants is true though. Yeah, or at least one. Yeah. Well, apparently they like, well, they don't get along and they're moving. They used to like live in one building together. Like the personal assistant. No, the um, Kate and Will and Megan. Yeah, they all lived in. And now they're like leaving. I think that was always meant to be temporary because they're not supposed to live together. Okay. I think they're. Yeah, I don't know. I only watched the first season of The Crown. And mm. I'm so excited for you for season <laughs> oh two. God, it's, it's, so just, it's so good. But it's, it's so like good. they have their separate residence. Like everyone gets their own separate residence. Mm-hmm. And then it takes time to decorate it. Yeah. So I don't think they're because they're like the a Duke and Duchess. I don't, I don't think they're supposed to be living with the prince and princess. Yeah, I think that'd be weird. And I also don't believe, or I don't, I choose not to believe the myths or the rumors about them not getting along. Because I feel like it's just like, A, negative. B, how hard would it be to adapt to that type of situation? Yeah. Also, like, and she's, she's, she's I mean, what's so difficult lovely. is difficult, like, not knowing correct protocol like and and to what degree you know what I mean it's one thing if you're pushing Queen Elizabeth out of the way I think maybe it's another if you maybe like hug a child when you're not supposed to like I don't she's also a self-made independent woman yeah she's an American woman and and I think that's informs her demeanor and the way she carries herself sure yeah she's also always been very vocal about how she feels about things and has been very yeah um gives back and yeah you know i mean i think she yeah so i i don't believe it all right i yeah. like it was she nice in high school i mean yeah she wasn't i mean yeah she's sure. popular she's popular she was for sure very popular the markle was sparkle that's what girls would call her wait what but all oh, girls catholic schools so i don't know if it was that nice you know what i mean yeah <laughs> markle sparkle the markle was sparkle the Markle would sparkle? With sparkle. The Markle with Markle sparkle. with sparkle. <laughs> That's such a fun tidbit. Oh I went to high God. school with the hockey player, Sidney Crosby. I don't know who that is. And <laughs> no one cares. It's yep. great. Nope. A honky Moving player. on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I... Yeah, no. I don't have anyone famous. Tyra Banks went to my high school. She oh. graduated in 1993. And if you watch older seasons of America's Next Top Model, you can see her wearing her class ring. Really? Wow, wow that's great. Do you have one? I lost it. Oh, no. Oh, that's okay. That's bad. It's actually a cute ring. 
Was it a good school? You also went to an all-girls school, Alex. All-girls, yes, but not Catholic. But, but Where, I am Catholic. What city? Uh, Shaker Heights, Ohio. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was very... I, I loved going to an all-girls school. It's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but And then when I went to college, it was kind of a rude awakening. I was like, there are boys in my class. What do I do? <laughs> Um, but because oh, did you go to like middle school and grade school with all girls? K through uh, twelve, kindergarten. Oh, wow. oh yeah, wow. I know. That's wild. Yeah, so I, f- I definitely felt I think a little behind in the like emotional development with my you know relationships with 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 <laughs> men. See, I went to high school with a lot of men, mostly boys. Boys, you mean? Mo- yeah, yeah, yeah. Not men. Yeah. Definitely not men. Yeah. Boys. And uh, <laughs> and it, it it was it was like the same thing for me. Like it made like I don't know. I, I think everyone's on the same page. Yeah. No matter what. Boys are not. Yeah. They're not. It's on them, you know. That's, yeah. They're so yeah. far behind us. <laughs> they still are. That's <laughs> why. I've, we should all just be with men that are 10 years older so we can be on the same page. And I stupidly I am with somebody agree. who's younger than me. <laughs> well, so there's that. Good luck, Beth. Um, so uh, <laughs> wh- when, you, were, when you went to college or whatever you did after high school, were you like, I'm going to do comedy, I'm going to do theater, What or did you want to stay in L.A.? What were you thinking? What was I thinking? Mm-hmm. Well, in... Well, let me start this with like in like elementary school and grade school, like I love like theater and dance and top and music, you know, voice lessons, musical theater, like all of it. I did all of it. But then like by the time I was in high school, it was like, oh, I'm chorus. Like I'm never going to be the lead in my high school play or musical. It's going to go to Markle with Sparkle. It's going to go to Margo with Sparkle. It's going to go to Lana McKissack. She does the um, uh, for the record shows. Oh, She's yeah. like a legit Broadway like <laughs> actress. You I don't know? know what for the record show is. Um, oh, it's like the, at the Vermont at Rockwell. At Rockwell, it used to be at Rockwell Vermont and stage. Then. Oh, okay. Yeah. But those, I mean, they have like working act, like theater, musical, yeah. Broadway actors on that. So, but also like my sister went to Loxa, the arts high school. So it's like I knew kids my age who are like oh this is a legit job and career like there's actual real training and oh that's adorable you auditioned for Tish Danielle <laughs> um <laughs> I did too didn't get in <laughs> I didn't I wish I had even if I hadn't gotten in it's fine. I mean it was cool to get a day off of school for that um <laughs> Great. to drive to yeah. like mid Wilshire. I had to drive to Chicago <laughs> from where from Minnesota Oh man, but that was fun. What did you guys do? Did you drive with your parents? My mom and my brother. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. What did you do on your auditions, both of you? Oh, oh my god. I did a I monologue. Did a monologue. Yeah, I did a I did a monologue from Romeo and Juliet. Which one? The one where she is waiting for Romeo to come. Mm. Gallop a pace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I did Taming of the Shrewd. <laughs> and Cat and and Catherine, I, I yeah, and I I got a laugh when I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> Those are always fun. That's wonderful. I love that. Though. And then I think I did like uh, I, and then I don't remember what my other one one was. It's fine. <laughs> Didn't get it. <laughs> check off. Oh, maybe that's too. No, no, check off is good. Yeah, check off is very good. A lot of inner work. Oh yeah, check off is great. But. So, yeah, it was like, you know, this is just for fun. So when I went to high or college, 
I didn't you know, go? I went to San Francisco State. Oh, cool. And I went because it was the school farthest away from Los Angeles that I got into. Uh, Fair enough. My GPA was not high enough to get me into any of the UCs, but my SAT scores were high enough to get me into Cal State's. That's great. Despite yeah. my GPA. Good <laughs> for you. Someone tests well but doesn't like to do homework. Um, <laughs> I'm the opposite. <laughs> So I went to San Francisco State. It was an accounting major because I was good at math and I had no idea what to do. Like I thought that accounting had to do with math. It doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't at all. Just it's putting things in piles. Oh, Oh, so that was my major. But uh, like my first class of college was ballet. I was like, I'm still going to take ballet. I'm still going to take voice, you know. I met my best friend my first day of college. I was like in my leotard and tights, stretching. And he came up to me and he's like, are you a dance major? I was like, oh my God, no, thank you. (laughs) He's like, you should come sit with us. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) But um, yeah, no, so I just like in San Francisco, I was really just like eh, figuring it out. Yeah. Trying to have a rich cultural life and be an accounting major. And then when Mm. did you start comedy? I didn't start comedy until I was 30. So when I was in San Francisco, I was hit by a mini streetcar, which is like a subway train. Um, But those are the ones that go like above ground and below ground. So I was crossing the street to catch it above ground and it just took the light. It hit me. So I lost my feet. And then um, after like a month in the hospital, came down to Los Angeles um, to recover and live with my mom. So that happened when I was 20. And uh, then I started comedy 10 years later, 10 whole years later of not knowing what the fuck I was doing. Mm. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, how do I be a young adult? How do I be in my 20s and disabled when I used to be able to walk? (laughs) Well, you have a whole new... identity and a whole new you know point of view yeah it was it was pretty bonkers it was really it was it was like I tried to use prosthetics but that was really difficult because of the nature of the accident they did skin grafts to like preserve my limbs below my knee but because of the skin grafts um my tibia and fibia are just very exposed like you don't have a lot of like you know flesh down there so I would try to use prosthetics and just get staph infections Mm. because of the pain Um, like the pain is there for a reason and so I was just like kind of popping pain killers like Oxy and Vicodin just like it doesn't hurt I want to walk Right. Yeah. Uh, but it hurts for a reason (laughs) so I end up in the hospital with staph infections and then eventually was like "Mm, let's not do that anymore so I just started using the wheelchair but I mean, it was it was really random. Like, I had just I went to PCC, like Pasadena City College. I had receptionist jobs, like at random salons. I did study abroad in Italy. It Amazing. was you know after after the yeah accident? after the wow. accident that was really fun. That was pretty wild. I've like peed off my wheelchair next to like pretty much every fountain in Florence. <laughs> That's the greatest <laughs> thing. <laughs> What was it? I mean, I've never been to Florence, but I had a lot of friends that went for study abroad there. Was it? Is it handicap accessible at all? No, cobblestone. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) It's cobblestone. It's a death trap. But the thing about Florence is, like, our so the way they did it is that um, 
we for school we'd have to go to like the city center, but everyone was in apartments outside of that. So by the time I got to the city center, you know, there's certain streets that they don't even just let cars there because it's so touristy and there's so much historical stuff. So I was just like in the middle of the street with the wheelchair. There's no sidewalks. Yeah. I mean, they just, they were like, we're not going to hit. She's the size of the car. (laughs) So ridiculous. I mean, people were, people were nice and like wanted to help me. How long? We figured it out. Yeah. How long after your accident did you go to Florence? Uh, four years. I was 24. So I was definitely one of the older kids in that study abroad program. It was like community college. I was like doing study abroad with like oh, 18 through Pasadena. Yes. Oh. It was so ridiculous. I was like, I had no idea that PCC or like community colleges like even offer this. But I, it was you. like in a random, I think, philosophy class. And they were like, study abroad. And I was like, fuck it. I'll go. And And I guess the thing is like, they don't ever like not accept people into the program so they were like fuck we can't not accept the disabled girl (laughs) they were like i guess she's going i'm so (laughs) amazed because i think that i would think that if like a huge accident could you know propel someone into just like a super dark place of being like why me you know you must have like incredible I don't know. I'm um, family and friends and oh, mindset that was like I'm life so, happens. I'm so fortunate that I have like good family and friends. Like my parents yeah. were they came up to San Francisco and basically lived there for a month while I was in the hospital. Mm. They were by my side advocating, speaking to the doctors and nurses like if anyone's been in a hospital and have to be like an overnight stay there, had any sort of major surgery or trauma like that, you know how important it is to have someone there advocating for you because you're just, you know, it's like 10 different people in and out of your room every fucking day, just like saying, take this, do this. And people make mistakes. Sure. The longer you're in a hospital, the, the more likely you are to have something go wrong to yeah. get the wrong dosage, wrong medication, get more sick, you know. So I was really fortunate that I had my family and that they were able to do that. And my friends in San Francisco came and spent the night with me. And so, you know, and the fact that, like, I was able to live with my mom. She was able to get a ramp built in Great. front of her house, you know, able to redo her bathroom, you know, so that I could take a shower and go, you know, use the restroom with ease and accessibility. I'm like very fortunate about that. But I think I just honestly, like after the accident was in such a huge space of denial. Cause I was like 20 years old and I was like, all I want to do is be normal. Yeah, You know what I mean? I just like want to wear these prosthetics. I want to go out. All my friends are going out every weekend. They're all still in college. Like I want to just go out and have fun and go back to life the way it was. And I think that was like a huge part of me, like taking so many painkillers to make these prosthetics work. Mm -hmm. And then every time they didn't work and I ended up in the hospital again, it was like, you know, just falling deeper into depression. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it didn't really... in your early 20s like binge drinking is like fine because everyone's kind of doing it but then by the time you start to get 25 it's Mm -hmm. like "Mm." 
mm-hmm. <laughs> what's that about? Sure. <laughs> We're over sure. it. <laughs> like 27 for me, but yeah. yeah. Um, so that like, that's like been a thing that I've struggled with. Um, where it's like, I try, I mean, I just, even now, like I, I know that if I like open up that door of like, why me? It, will lead nowhere good. Yeah. So I choose anything. not yeah. to acknowledge it, but that's like... So- <laughs> that's incredible because it's like everyone thinks that, right? Uh, regardless of the situation, I would think at some point, like mm-hmm. our egos are evil. Yeah. And it can get... But I think, I don't know. It's like, you know, can Danelle be healthy? I don't know. I think for me, I some part of it is like... After the accident, um, you know, I was, like, living at my mom's house and not really going out or doing anything. Like, some friends would come to visit, but I was, it was, like, before I started, like, going to school, before I learned how to drive. And my dad took me out to eat lunch. He's like, we got to get you out of here. And it was, like, the first time I was really out, like, in public, not at, like, a doctor's appointment or something. And... I could feel everyone just like looking at me and staring at me and the questions are like, what's going on? She's so young. And it just, I hated that feeling. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I just really made a choice. I was like, I can't take that in. I have to like put on blinders and just go through life yeah. because that isn't my issue. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's totally. right. It's not, totally. I can't carry that. No. I'm not going to deal with that. It's everyone that's, else. That's your shit. Totally. So it's like, okay, there is like a denial <laughs> that I exist in. Um, um, but I think when I started comedy, it really helped me because when I was on stage, all I was worried about was, are these jokes funny? Yeah. Am I good mm-hmm. at this? And mm-hmm. not, oh my God, do they see do I have to explain the wheelchair? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I just really want to try this premise and this joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's not that I don't know I'm disabled or like forget I'm disabled, but it's like, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing right now doesn't really have anything to do with that. Right. Absolutely. But um, I started comedy when I was 30. Woo, 30 year old women in Los Angeles. <laughs> eh, whatever. We're all <laughs> in our 30s. <laughs> But um, <laughs> my best friend, Madison, she was trying to do theater, like acting theater in the RE theater. <laughs> and her roommate was a comedian. And so we started going to a bunch of his shows. And by the third one, I was like, I could do this. Right. Yes. I, can, I can do Madison. Let's do this. <laughs> let's go be funny. Such an awesome feeling. Yeah. So I hit her up. Like, what do we do? She signed us up for a stand-up class. And Whose stand-up class did you take? Melinda Hill. Where does she mm, teach at? Well, she used to, the one that I took with her was at IO. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I did I improv at IO. I did, I did all yeah. the improv Madison at IO. Madison was doing improv at IO at the time. And I think that's why she was like, well, I see, you know, Melinda Hill's doing stand-up class. So that first week of class, she was like, you have to go to open mics. It's the gym. You got to work out your jokes. And Madison and I went to... Rock paper. Never been to that on sunset. Uh, It's not around anymore, but it was right across the street from Meltdown. Oh, yeah. I used to live right there. And uh, my first open mic, uh, 
I had the most fun. I was like, I love this feeling. Oh, awesome. I absolutely. I didn't even. Who can say that about I didn't even write anything. Mic. Madison, like, she's like, let's go to an open mic. And I was like, oh, okay. And she, like, looked it up on the comedy bureau. And I was like, all right, we're going. And then she's like, we're so brave. I was like, what? We're brave because we're going to watch people do comedy. She's like, no, we're going to. We're brave because we're going to do it. I was like, what? I don't have anything written down. <laughs> she's like, don't worry. I'll sign my name up first. <laughs> like, like, that's going to matter. Like, oh, that three minute buffer is really going to change everything but <laughs> she did her jokes like she had like all these jokes written on her notebook and I was just like um I don't know I talked about like this date I had with a little person and like how dumb <laughs> oh it was my God. he like used his little hand to like scoop salad onto his fork it was like terrible I'm like <laughs> everyone was just like what the fuck this is hilarious and it was so much fun and I loved it That's and I was so like great. I'm obsessed with this feeling I never want it to stop. The host was like, is this really your first time doing stand-up? Like, he asked that to Madison and I, and I was like, oh, my God. He was like, We're Fuck good you. at this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to the Lexington, and it was not that good. <laughs> yeah. I've heard. We I, immediately went to the Lexington. <laughs> we were like, oh, we're going to be early for the mic. It doesn't start till 5. It's 2.30. <laughs> we saw that we're 27 on the list. We're like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Then I went to not so great open mics. I did a mic at Sal's Comedy Hole. I don't know. In Hollywood. Is. Again, no place a woman should enter. Uh, <laughs> I signed up for this open mic, and this dude was on stage. And like during his precious three minutes, he looks at me and he goes, Why are you here? And I was Ew. like, Obviously, what? to listen to your really amazing views on women. What the fuck do you think I'm doing here on a weekday at 6 p.m., idiot? I'm, like, here for the fucking open mic. But that was just, like, oh, men are so stupid. They're so dumb. So, yeah, I went to a lot of open mics. And some were good. Some were bad. Truly, most of them were fine. Mm -hmm. I think I am... Lucky, like, I know a lot of women have, like, pretty horrific stories about, like, sexual harassment and creepy creepers and stuff, but an interesting thing about, like, being disabled, like, physically disabled and in a wheelchair, it's, like, are men more freaked out about my disability and does it outweigh the creep factor? <laughs> and then you realize, wow, you're that much of a creep that it's not going to stop you. <laughs> Wow. wow. Uh, there was one guy that was um, exhausting and made my first year of open mics a living hell. But it, you know, through that, I did a lot of mics, met a lot of cool people, made a lot of really good friends. Yeah. And found real community. Truly, comedy saved my life. And you think through open mics is where you met most of these people? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it just like when I started, I. I went to those two open mics that first day and was like, I, it, it was like, oh, I'm addicted to this. It's like, is this the beginning of a gambling habit? Like, yeah. <laughs> I need another hit of that, of whatever yeah. that was at that first mic where mm -hmm. people like were listening to me and engaged and thought I was funny at, I was like, I need that all the time. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> Something went off in my brain. So I was pretty obsessive. I was doing, when I first started, I was doing like 15 open mics a week. What? what? Yeah. Oh my. 
But also part of that too is like my friend Madison, like she was a, she had already been doing theater. So she like came from like a very like performance background. Like she went to conservatory. She went to like Mm -hmm. the arts high school, like Loxa with my sister. So, and she had also like, um, been around comics because she like dated a comedian like previously. So she's like, you have to like, this is work. We have to go to work. This is work mm-hmm. now. You don't tell anyone you're an aspiring comic. You tell everyone you're a comic. All this fangirling. Oh, oh my God. They're so famous. They're so funny. Nip it in the butt. You have mm-hmm. to just like be cool <laughs> yeah. and be at work and go to work. Yeah. And like, I just was relentless with it also too I think because it was like so new it's like I had I was already 30 years old so it's like Mm -hmm. I had this like backlog of experiences and life that I could like draw from and pull from immediately Mm -hmm. that's so I could you know what I mean it's like there's stories I'd been telling for years you know what I mean things I'd been joking about with my friends all the time that now I had an outlet for so those were just coming out very rapidly and quickly. Yeah. And were you like doing the same set at all of these or were you bringing new jokes every time or like how or just like building your library? It was a mixture. Like um, with a stand-up class, like it was only four sessions and at the end of it mm. we had a show. So during those, it was like, you know, once a week and then I was going to open mics Um as well as that. So, but with that, we would do a lot of writing exercises in class. And so I figured out kind of like a five minute chunk. So after the class is when I really started going to open mics, like all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I kind of started already having like material, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I was able to like, even though I was like, obviously like trying out new stuff at, open mics I was it was like oh there's something there she's not there's she's there's a promising thing (laughs) sure I wasn't like um why did the chicken cross the road or something like that I would laugh (laughs) it would be funny to get away from her abusive husband (laughs) (laughs) to not become a chicken tender (laughs) oh i like that thank you Mm. thank you Mm. but yeah i mean so yeah i was um i was just i was writing a ton going to mics like you know i would hit like two or three mics a night listen to my set in between the mic and then realize like okay this is funny if i do it this way what if i add this new joke um, I really do. The, uh, Gary Goldman has been writing like stand-up comedy tips on Twitter every day, hmm. and one of them was to go through your old notebooks and look at abandoned premises because you're funnier now that time has passed. Ah, that's so yeah. interesting. You have more skill mm-hmm. that you can pull from, so why not go back and look at things with mm-hmm. that with that new new yeah. skill level mm-hmm. yeah and see what you can do with it so that i do want to go through like That's my great. old notebooks That's to see so smart. because yeah i'm like i know that there was i was just throwing so much at the wall back then because like i want to talk about everything you know like yeah. my whole day i wanted to break down in three minutes <laughs> 
Well, you had been like building this up for 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Right? And then you're like, I have my time now, you know? So I'm sure it's just like the volume is so great of what you wanted to share. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, how do I write a joke? Not how do I write a joke? What do I write a joke about? Like year two is when it started to be, it started to be like work, if that makes sense. Sure. Like it went from. Oh, this fun new thing. Yeah, this fun new thing. I'm obsessed with it. All I want to do is talk about comedy. All my real friends are like, we get it. You know, (laughs) they're just over it. They don't want to hear about comedy. They don't want to hear about open mics, open mic drama. Like, they don't, they don't know these people. Mm -hmm. I turned into my mom telling me about tango, you know, like, (laughs) they're like, I don't know any of these people. Right. None who cares. Like, um, so, but, um, you know, going to shows and seeing like really big names at shows and stuff. But like year two is when that shift started to happen where it's like, oh, I got to go to an open mic again. Right. I got to sit for two hours. What am I even going to talk about? I don't have anything to talk about. There's nothing I want to talk about. I'm like bored. I'm over it. And I talked to a lot of people about that, like older in comedy than me that I looked up to. Like, I don't know. Did I like, was this all a fluke? Did I make a mistake? Like, maybe that's it. Maybe Mm. that's all the material I had and I'm not funny anymore. And I'm never going to write another joke again. (laughs) And they were like, don't be stupid. Right. (laughs) Everyone goes through this and this is when everyone quits. So you want to quit or you want to? See what you can actually be. Work through it. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> so I work through it. I'm like, oh man, what it. <laughs> now it's like I'm four years in and I'm, I'm not like, will I ever write another joke again? But I'm just like, just keep doing the work. It's, you're going to power through. This is, we just had this conversation. We, yeah, Cause I'm, I'm like out of place where it's like. And I feel like, too, it's part of, like, the new year and stuff like that. Because, like, I had a really great year last year. It's, like, I got to open for Maria Bamford. I did 25 minutes. It's, like, I have material that is, like, oh, right, we have to move on. You know? (laughs) Like, it's banked. It's done. You mean, like, you you need to do a new 20 minutes? Yeah. Did you tape the year 25? Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I got someone to film it. I was at the Rialto Theater in Tucson. It was really beautiful. That is so huge. Like 800 Amazing. people. Really wow. nice. Can we see it? Huh? Can where we see where it? can you see yeah, it? Yeah, where can we see it? Oh my God, you don't want to see that. I'm not Why? Put that out on the internet. But, that, but <laughs> you don't have to write a new lane. 25 minute set until you have done that. You know no, what I mean? but when I'm on Comedy Central for a half hour. Yeah. But no, like... Oh, oh, I'm really weird about putting stuff out on the internet because I'm like, I feel, and maybe it's like same, an age same. thing. But it's also giving your, your material exactly. Away for free. I don't want to burn it. I don't, Yeah. I want to be on TV. I want a late night yeah. set. I want, you know, Netflix. I want a Comedy Central half hour. And I feel like if that material is out there, because, you know, the people, when they're doing like late night and they're doing their half hours, I know because I'm a comic. You guys know because you're comics. A lot of those jokes they've been doing for years. Yes. You know what I mean? It's yes. not like they all just came up with that that month no. or that year even. No. It's I watched, years. So I don't need. Yeah. Did you watch Nicole Byers' Netflix? I haven't seen it yet. I'm She's that. It's She's great. So funny. She's so hysterical. So funny. Yeah. There was, and I've seen her do so many shows. Mm-hmm. 
and I there's like I think there are only two jokes that I saw in that special that Mm -hmm. like I've I've heard before but it was still like oh you've been working that joke for a while oh yeah and like and and then within like this is her first big Netflix special Mm -hmm. and it was like oh hell yeah you got to use it for this like I'm so glad that like just because you told this joke however long ago you could never use it I'm just like she did such a good job with combining yeah you have to I mean like when you're doing something like a half hour or an hour you're drawing from you're you're pulling like what are the bangers what are the heavy hitters what are the ones that have like served me well Mm -hmm. how can I combine it how can I create a narrative like what's what's the big theme but also if you're like Nicole is on the road touring regularly all the time, like yeah. every weekend mm-hmm. she's out of town doing clubs. And so that's time for her to work out new premises totally. full, like really on. Cause she's yeah. in front of an audience that loves her, that gets her, knows her humor, knows what she's about. Mm-hmm. So she can, you know, tell some old standards, but then also get into all this like fun new shit and work it mm-hmm. out and polish it up and make it really great. It's yeah. so interesting. But that's very different from like working out material at open mics three minutes at a time. <laughs> yeah. And sure. stage time in Los Angeles is so precious. Mm-hmm. And this is like a thing that I'm have to get over and trying to like learn and struggle with is that if you're getting when you get booked on shows in LA, there is like a big pressure to like kill because stage time is so precious. It's mm-hmm. not like New York that has, you know a million shows a night and you can do sets until three in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, two sets a night in Los Angeles is like, Oh shit, killing it. Three mm-hmm. sets. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? <laughs> are you actively an insane person? So you want to do really well because it's only like what? Seven to 10, maybe 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and I think that's often why, I mean, people do their own shows, yeah. right? They're like, well shit. Yeah, Let's make our own stuff and and have, get to work out new material. Yeah. Have an audience that sure. like comes because they know that you're going to bring in like fresh new comics that are really fun, and then you they you know they trust you and they trust what you're doing enough mm-hmm. yeah. to like let you kind of try out material and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, yeah, I just want I want new I want a new twenty. Last year on my vision board, or uh, you know I put like a twenty to thirty minute feature set like solid bulletproof i got it now time to write new shit that's and nice. that I want to do colleges. I want to get paid. Uh, like, hell yeah. So that <laughs> was like, you, know? you think that was so your material? So if I do that again this year, yeah. then I can do that. So that was your material, you would say, that you've been kind of honing for the past four years? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, how long does it take to like build material? I think a lot of that depends on like your learning curve and like the way that you operate and work. How much time you're putting into... Yeah. You know, and how, because I remember Beth and I were talking about how we have a group of people who are, you know, want to do like writing sessions. And mm-hmm. I realized that I keep being like, I can't, I can't. And I'm like, oh, because those don't serve me well. Mm-hmm. The best thing for me at, at where I am right now yeah. is like getting my 10 minutes or even seven really and just 
getting it to the best seven minutes possible. Mm-hmm. And and unless I have new jokes where I'm like, ah, I really need help with this, or like, what are your pitches and stuff, then that'll serve me. But I was like, you, I, I think that's the important thing. It's like not everyone works in a different way. And it's really important to um, be honest with yourself about what serves you. Yeah. 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 This year, I'm very much trying to go back to basics. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Christina Aguilera album. No, I, I, because I, you know, because I've been doing it long enough where it's like, okay, this is work. I want this. This is like a career. Um, what was I doing when I first started? Because that obviously served me well. And it's like, well, I was going to a lot more open mics than I've been going to. <laughs> uh, and I was doing timed writing exercises. Re- t- what? Tell me more. Basically, I would set like um, a 15-minute timer on my phone and then a 20-minute timer. So the 15 was like a warning that your time's almost up. Mm-hmm. And then the 20 was like, you're done. But I would meet with like you know one or two other women usually and we do that and then it's like I have to write something whether it's like funny or not isn't super the point like it's not that it needs to be like a super well thought out bit but it's like right on a topic right on a thing right on something that happened and then share it, and then everyone gives, like, feedback. I love that. Yeah. That's but, amazing. like, having that pressure that I need to... I need to have something to show for it at the end of this time mm-hmm. totally. just makes it come out. Because I have a very hard time... Get the homework, you know what yeah. I mean? Hey, I girl. I want to do homework. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, the procrastinator. I um, crank it out at the last minute. Yeah. You know, and it's... And it's fine and it's always good and it works, but it's like imagine if you took that extra time. Yeah. And didn't stress so and didn't stress yourself out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my God. But having something to work from and edit and go back to and punch up is a lot easier than a blank page of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of a starting place. But I also um, would transcribe my sets when I first started. Oh wow. Oh, that was an after every open mic. Uh, yeah, I would do that after. Well, I would do it after. Um, wow. Yeah, I did that. Oh my god. Yeah, there's like Google Docs of it, but Jesus, and that was pretty nutty. I would sit with my headphones in a coffee word shop and transcribe it word for word. Put in all the ums because that's a huge vocal tick of mine. All the likes. Same. All the ums. That's what I do hey. when I when I'm editing Awful. our episodes on here. I go through and try and take out. I don't do it as it's so time consuming, but I try and take out as many ums that because as women, as we're sitting around doing this, we're always trying to find the perfect way to say something. Mm -hmm. And there's so many ums that we do. We all do it. I know I'm unprepared for a show when I use a lot of ums. Um, I know it's like, oh, you're not confident in this. You're not confident enough. Because it's like, it's like you're too scared. I, I get too scared. And then I'm like, okay, I need to fill the space. It's like, just sit in it. Just yeah. sit in it until the next thing comes. Yeah. What does 2019 look like for you? 
Uh, let's see. You're doing a late night show. I mean, I want a late night set so bad. Great. <laughs> you were on Jimmy Kimmel. I was, but I was a guest. I don't care. <laughs> I'm so, and this is like the LA like neuroses. I was like, is it a credit? It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a credit. Sure. How, I'll take how it. were you a guest? Like you, like. So I want a treadmill on the price is right. That's the treadmill. Wait, like, where where is it? When the it's hell? in a box. You have a it's tread- in my low shelf. You want it's the oh, box there. Okay. That is you oh, should one of those tiny that. treadmills. No, it's huge. It goes all oh. the way over there. It's like oh. one of those big oh, ass. Oh, never mind. It's like a gym. Huge. It's huge. <laughs> it's like a thirty five hundred dollar treadmill. It's insane. Can you just sell it? I mean, but then it's like I sold my treadmill. Okay, my dream is to do a charity show. And oh. Jimmy Kimmel, Andrew Carey are involved in some way. I'm from but Cleveland. Go Drew Carey. Go Drew Carey. Yeah. He's great. He was very nice. I met him, I met him once when I was like 12. He was so nice. <laughs> he was just like... Oh, like, sorry. You met him his, on the price. No, story. no. But it's like, it's, it's his job. You know what I mean? So it was like he was this... Like, all right, let's keep it moving. Like, he was nice. Like, he was professional. You know what I mean? We didn't have any, like, chit-chat or anything like that. But he was just, like, totally normal. Pleasant, Mm -hmm. professional. But, um, yeah, my dream is to, like, do, like, a charity fundraiser show. And, like, we auction it off for, like, a lot of money for, like, a good charity. But then I keep getting busy. But then the more... Better I am. Wow. More better I am. Hire me for all your writing needs. Uh, I am at comedy. Uh, the better the show will be, right? Yeah. <laughs> the more they'll want to do well, it. That's a great like vision board. It's just a big box in your living room. A reminder every day oh, of what you're working towards. It's great. I think 2019 is going to serve you so well. I hope would you so. want to write on a show, or would you? Or are you like, no, I just want to perform and write my own stuff. That's uh, that's been on my mind I do want to write I think I want to write sitcoms um I like writing jokes I like the idea of late night I think that there are not a lot of late night hosts and shows that really reflect my voice Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean yeah I do um so I think that for me that's been like a weird thing about like writing packets and stuff like Mm -hmm. that where it's like I know what goes in a packet I know how to write a packet and I've done packets for shows that also um, for the people who are listening who don't know what a packet is would you tell them sure yeah a packet if you want to do comedy writing um, on a late night show, you have to f- do a packet, which is essentially a homework assignment. Um, usually contains like one to two pages of monologue jokes. So long, yeah. Mm-hmm. Five to seven desk segments and bits, mm-hmm. uh, like refillable bits, like thank you notes or confessions, mm-hmm. things like that, and a sketch. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's the way the writers on the show can see what your skill level is and your talent is and what you can bring to the show. Yeah. So I had the opportunity last year to do um, some writing packets for some shows that I was really excited about and I didn't get it, which is fine. You know, I'm unwrapped and also it was like my first time really doing writing packets, but 
Um, it was like, oh, but I like really love the host. I love the show concept. It would be, it's like, you know, I'm Afro-Latina, I'm a woman. One of them was like for a show with a woman. One of them was a show hosted by like black men, you know? So it was like, mm -hmm. oh, my voice can find a home here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like seeing packets for the network shows. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> One packet I got was an amazing... It was an amazing opportunity because they asked, they're like, your name was brought up and mentioned. Um, you know, we'd like you to submit. And then it was like, you are writing. And uh, the, the way the packet was structured, I appreciate it because they really, it was like, oh, they know people are going to work on this. They know people mm -hmm. are going to take time out of their day to do this labor that is unpaid for a shot, right? But it was like, you are writing for a man who wears a suit who sits behind a desk. And right. I was like... I don't really want to write for him mm -hmm, and right. that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not like him specifically, but mm -hmm. it's like that's not but your where I think. Is, what, yeah. And it seems like a really like, I feel like a very like millennials. Like, I don't know if I'd find joy there or right. something. Like, right. But I think knowing that is important and good. Sure. And will help me like... I want to write, I don't want to be like lazy and not like do the work. I'm not saying like, I'm not trying to do the work, but it's like, I want to be selective and targeted with like the work that I am doing. Right. Cause that yeah. is a lot of work to like come up with all these jokes, come Absolutely. up with segments and things like that. Push yourself to be creative, to think outside the box, not think of the first joke, you know, and yeah. be like content with it, but like rewriting it and reworking it. Um, but it's like I want to submit for shows that my voice, my humor, and my jokes would would that they would really benefit from. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like the audience is like, oh no, I know mm -hmm. what this audience would like like and want. You know, I know I get this host, I get their POV. Yeah, so that makes sense to me. I'm, yeah. I want to, but that means it's like, yes, we need more women in writers' room. We need more women of color in writers' rooms, for sure. Also, we need more women hosting late night shows. We need more Ugh. like what do we have now? Hosting late night shows. We need Sarah Silverman's is gone now. Oh, it's gone. Yeah, it's it gone. just got canceled. Oh, and um, so it's just busy Phillips. It's, it's Samantha, Samantha B. B and Samantha B. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. the busy Phillips. Like, that's not Phillips really. It's more. It's just like it's Samantha B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like so. There's that. Yeah, it's like the rundown with Robin Thede's gone. Oh right. Yeah, it's just like a bummer. Um. It's like Michelle all these men in suits. Gone. Michelle yeah. Wolfs is gone. It's all these men in suits, and it's like I just, yeah, we need more women in these rooms. Also, give us our own fucking shows. How about mm -hmm. that? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, why isn't there like a late night show hosted by like a gay man? I mean, there's Watch What Happens Live. 
But also for me, it's like you they, you, they give them to women, but then they give them, they give them to the, women. They so give them on Netflix and on Hulu. And, and I appreciate that they're giving them these opportunities, but at the same time, yes. no one goes to those stations to watch. Like I that's an so. older, I think it's I an know. older generation. Like it's like when, when Chelsea Handler went to Netflix. Yeah, no, but Chelsea's show is doing real well. She is, she's the one that ended her show because she wanted to be more involved in politics. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, her show was doing very, very well. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing about Netflix is hard because they don't release, like, stats on, like, viewing viewership. Yeah. But, I mean, Hassan Minaj's show, Patriot Act, is one of my absolute favorite shows. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. It's so good. You must watch. It's amazing. The reason why it's amazing is because he is a talented stand-up, and it the format... It's a late night show, but they make the format work for him instead of making the way around for the format. Smart. So they're not sticking him behind a desk. They're not Mm -hmm. having him do dumb desk bits that he doesn't Mm want to do. Right. They're letting him stand, be visible, and tell fucking jokes. Like he gets to talk on one topic, usually per show, and it's jokes and there's a screen behind that's like giving you all the information it'll go into sketches that are about the topic but it's like it's essentially like late night but if it was just like a stand up giving you that sure and so it's digestible it's fun you get his personality it works so well it's like 25 minutes it's perfect yeah and that's the thing about Michelle Wolf's show that bummed me out. It's like the best thing about that show was her opening monologue. And it's like, why can't she just do this the whole fucking show? Why are you sticking her behind a desk? Mm. Are you making her do these dumb, like, refillables that, mm-hmm. like, she didn't even seem all that excited about? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, why are you having her talk to people? Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, who's your favorite female comedian? Oh, there are too many. Give me five. Give me ten. Can you give me your top ten? Give me ten. Uh, I love, well, here, I'll... <laughs> I love I love Marcel Arguello. I love Ali Wong. I love Natasha Leggero, Lori yeah. Kilmartin. Mm. Who do I love? I love Deborah Di Giovanni. Mm. Yeah, she's Same. incredible. She's hysterical. I love Maggie May right now. She's okay. fucking killing it. Oh, she's amazing. She was on Conan a few years ago. She's all oh. over L.A. She's mm. so funny. I have a I have a quick question for you. Mm. Um, <laughs> the that new movie with Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. Oh. Do you know about it? Yeah. Okay. Is it like in theaters? Or is it's it on a, Netflix? It's, it's opening up. It's okay. opening up. And it's a it's a representation question. Sure. So Ke- uh, Kevin Hart's been getting flack because of his old tweets, Oscars. Everyone knows. I like went through a wormhole today watching it. Like all the <laughs> interviews that he had. His tour. non-apology tour. <laughs> Brian Cranston has been getting flack for being in a movie about a man in a wheelchair, but he's not actually disabled. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? It's so, it's just, he knows better. I think. Brian Cranston? Yeah. That's the thing that I think um, bothers me the most about it Hmm. is that he knows better. Frankly, he worked on Breaking Bad, which was a huge success. You know, like it won so many awards and just culturally, like it was the talking point for years. Right. Um, or the show that we were talking about for years. And he worked alongside a disabled actor who mm-hmm. played a disabled character. So he saw someone who didn't have the career and legacy that he had become a real 
a real big thing, right, mm-hmm. in the disabled community. And just like in acting, go on to like have like roles and and just opportunities that they never would have had if not for that show. So he knows better. It's just this myth, like he, I know that he, I haven't read the article, but the quote that keeps popping up is that it's a business decision to cast him in this movie as a disabled character. The thing is, the movie also stars Kevin Hart and Nicole Kidman, two Heavy hitters huge, that would have, like, you can bring people in. Two stars from two different parts of, you know... The industry. The so industry. They would sure. You know what I mean? Forces, it's like you're, yeah. you're... You've covered the bases. You're covering the bases, so why not give that opportunity to a disabled actor that they can be seen in mm-hmm. such a huge movie that's mm-hmm. going to be seen, you know, a blockbuster movie... That gets to work alongside these amazing, talented actors. You know these super recognizable faces. Like, why not? Why not give that representation to someone in that community? Because the thing is, there are actors that are disabled. They're not. There's not a lack of talent. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of people trying to find that talent. Because the th- and you know. Oh, okay, let's get the best person for the job. Okay, that'd be fine if disabled people got to audition for like able bodied roles, but that's just not the reality. Right. Like, I know disabled actors, you know, that make their living working in entertainment, but they don't get to go out for the lead. They don't get to go out for even the best friend. They get to go out for the person in the wheelchair, the little person, you know, like. That's, they're not, you're not casting disabled people in even just regular everyday roles as like the cashier, you know what I mean? The woman in the store. You're not casting disabled people for any of that. You're not giving disabled actors the opportunity to build their resumes, Mm -hmm. to develop a following. So if you're going to take away actual disabled roles, like, what? fuck you. Like, he just knows better. He does. And that's the thing that's like very upsetting. That makes and sense. I'm glad that people makes, are taking him yeah. to task. And I hope that movie does very poorly. I, I have a feeling it might. I wonder if the first. I don't know. It's, it's based on a so French movie. Press. Yeah. I heard that it was like it's a remake. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so I wonder if that I don't think that actor. Probably not. Disabled. I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah. I mean, this is also, I think, like, people I feel like also feels like all of a sudden we had to, like, learn all these words and everything is, everything I do is offensive. And it's like, oh, it's not that. I just think, like, the reality is that because of, like, the internet um, and the way we communicate now, disenfranchised and marginalized groups now are being seen and heard and listened to. We have, like, an outlet. We can go on Twitter and start a hashtag, right? We can create movements and say, we don't want to see your fucking movie and I hope it bombs. <laughs> also, here's why. Also, here are disabled actors that are talented that should be starring in things. Right. Like, you know, Twitter, uh, it's the most exhausting thing in the world, but it's literally can help keep shows from dying. It lets studio execs know. I mean, truly. I remember. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It can keep shows from dying. I mean, it can bring shows back to life. Yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. But people being active 
and supporting, being vocal about what they like and what they don't like makes a huge difference. It's just like in politics. And I know it sounds like very like vote. <laughs> no, but it's important. Vote. It's important. But, but yeah, it's like you vote with your dollars. I vote with my dollars. Absolutely. You know, I want to go see movies that are created and made by women, by people of color. Yeah. I'm going to spend Same. my money there. I'm not going to spend my money watching and supporting things that don't align with like my values. Amen. Amen. Danielle Perez. This has been this has been great. Incredible. Thank you for Yay. having us. Thank you for it's having us at home and being on our show and doing our podcast. Thank you for having me. She's wearing sparkly pink nails. I've wanted to come in it on it the entire time. And now you know. Now oh everybody gosh. knows. No, it's the sparkly baby pink. I was like, mm-hmm, what if I just celebrate my 13th birthday every day? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Ooh.